We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, March 10th, it's Friday. You know what we do on Friday? It's Friday, Friday. Do we, did everyone remember that video? It's Friday, Friday. It's Fighting Fridays. So let's let's beat the crap out of Rebecca Black for, for doing that song. If anyone remembers what the hell that I'm even talking about, but it's Fighting Fridays. We're not fighting with each other, we're talking about. The MMA slate tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern. It's a little bit early. Get it, finally get out of here early, right? Three, it'll be done by you know, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's not that bad. Not that bad at all. Uh, it's 14 fights. Nice, nice, large card, right? In in comparison to most cards. Uh, and uh, that's we'll breaking that down. A little strategy today for the card. If you want to break down of the, all the fights, like, you know, what's going to happen? What had, what do these guys look like, right? The paths to victory, you know, all, all the all the fighting stuff, the actual fighting stuff. You could uh, you could listen to the Ground and Pound podcast, the expert survey, Liam's uh, fight breakdowns and everything, a premium in the premium section of Roto Grinders, which you can subscribe to by clicking on the link in the description, getting $10 off your first month. And, uh, and before we do that, give me those tummy thumbs. Thummy thumbs. I see the I see one of the early birds in the chat. Wataz. Suki Suki's not here. Suki Singh. Just no. No. Fri- Fighting Friday. Nope. Not interested. Defix here. Daniel Hutchings. Devin's in the Devin's in the chat. Been in chat all week. Uh, would not have thought we'd get a Rebecca Black reference in the intro today. Well, whatever. It's Friday. It's Friday. 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 What is that? Right? Isn't that the song? Looking for the weekend or something. I don't, I don't know how to remember. I, I know it was a thing, what, what, 14 years ago or something? Something like that. But uh, it is Friday. We are fighting. Uh, this this late, remember, we go through, we think about line of construction and strategy. Not necessarily breaking down the fights. But I find this slate to be a a tale, a tale of fights. A tale of two fights or two sides of fight. I think this is the slate where they're going to be, there are several, there are half the fights are appealing 
like on both sides even. And then half the fight's not that appealing. Okay, and I think the ownership is going to go there also. So there's going to be fights that are going to be heavily owned and fights that are barely going to be owned. But first, we want to look at the context of the slate and determining what, what is the optimal lineup, the nut lineup, more or less likely to look like. Like, how is it going to be constructed? Now, on this slate, we have 14 fights, okay? The larger the card, the more fights there are. What does that mean? That means we need to prioritize, the more and more we prioritize ceiling over win equity, okay? Smaller cards, you get 11 fights. Well, now we're, we're taking out six fighters. Now, you know, a, a low score, a low scoring winner, Right, it, like a seventy-four hundred dollar low-scoring winner—that's more appealing. But on a fourteen-fight card, you want to be more focused towards ceiling than win equity, because there's more. There's obviously there's twenty-eight fighters that could score a lot of points, as opposed to twenty or twenty-two. The other context is the spreads of the fights. Spreads meaning like how big the favorites are from each other. Now, on my odd sheet, I got them right here. I don't have everything filled out. Uh, I don't have, I don't, I mean, like the Harris fight, the Harris, Jared Gooden is a late minute replacement, last minute replacement. So the ITD lines aren't even out for the Harris uh, Gooden side yet, or at least I haven't seen, seen ones that, that I can rely on. Uh, but we see here that, the fighters that are there, there's only three fights that are more than a three to one favorite. There's one fight that's like a 10 to one favorite. So you got Batista at 9,700 minus 1,000. You got Ricardo Ramos minus 355, JJ Aldrich minus 380. And then you got in the 9K range, you got some like two to one type of fighters, Jan, Nurmega Madoff, and Williams. Then 8,900, all the mid range is less than two to one. So we see 66%, 65%, 63%. So and obviously we have the mispriced fighter, obviously Carlston Harris because of uh, the replacement is now with minus 300. So he's going to be very popular from a money line value at 8,300. Because if, if they reprice the fights now, Carlston Harris should be 9,300. So he's 1,000 underpriced for his win probability. Well, remember... 14 fight card, Carson Harris, you know, puts up uh, 68 points in a win. That probably won't make the nut lineup. So it's not just, it's not just win probability. It's what's the likelihood of them scoring 90, 100, 110 points enough. Now, obviously at the top with 9,700, like Batista has the best shot at scoring a hundred points, but is a hundred points even good enough? How is the lineup going to be constructed? Batista is more likely to make the optimal lineup, make the nut lineup, the more underdogs that win. Why is that the case? Because then you could fit his $9,700 salary in easier, right? The more underdogs that win, the more these, the more valuable the 9K fighters become, especially if they put up 100 plus points. The less underdogs that win, the more valuable the mid-range fighters are. Right, because we saw what last week. Last week, Alexa Grasso was the was the only was the only underdog that won. That's it. You needed her. If if she didn't win, right? If she if she got finished early, like uh, Damon Blackshear, a loser with forty two points from one of the previous fights, would have been in, in the nut lineup. 
because none, no, no dog won. So some cheap dog. I mean, Grasso probably, even if she lost in the third round, she scored enough points that she 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 would have been in that, in that lineup regardless if she won or lost, as long as she outscored like Black Shears forty two points. So on a slate where you don't expect many underdogs to win, obviously, you know you're, you're less likely to build lineups that have three or four underdogs in it, which also means it's less likely that you leave a lot of money on the table. This slate, however, I think there's, I mean, look, everywhere from Bruno Silva, like 8,900 to 8,000, these are all two to one or less fights, other than Carlson Harris, obviously. So we have Gravely, Asuncao, Volkov, Span, Friend, Nam, Bresky, Martinez, Marab, I guess, right? These are all under three to one, you know, they're under the three to one threshold of being an underdog. It's more likely on this slate than previous slates that underdogs will win. Maybe we'll have two, three, four underdogs that win. Now, do they put up 100 points? Do you need them? Not necessarily. But you're definitely going to need one. You can't really can't make a lineup without one underdog. In most lineups, you're making it with two underdogs. So if two, two or more underdogs win, those are going to be the constructions that end up more likely being the nuts. And in the context of this slate, you know, we, we've had some slates where the $8,500 fighter is minus 260. Like where there's heavy, heavy. We have multiple fighters that are minus 500, minus 700. Those are the slates where it's hard to, it's very unlikely that you're going to get four dogs that win on that slate. This fight is kind of, in, this, this, this slate is kind of in between. Batista, to me, Batista is the only big favorite on the slate. I don't even consider, like, J.J. Aldrich in minus 380 against Ariana Lipsky. It's, it's, a, it's a women's MMA fight. It's, it's, and it's, it's not, J.J. Aldrich isn't, like, at the top of the division or anything. So it's not like something like, oh, yeah, J.J. Aldrich is going to go out and just destroy Ariana Lipsky. Like, no, nah, I think this, this, this line is a little too wide. Ricardo Ramos versus Austin Lingo. I think this line is a little too wide. Right, Ricardo Ramos. Can he get a finish? Sure. Can he? Can he have some grappling? But I mean, he's not the highest output guy. So this fight may, may I don't know. It seems close. It seems like it should be closer than a ninety-five hundred, sixty-seven hundred dollar fight. Then you take a look at Saeed Nurmagomedov, ninety-one hundred versus Jonathan Martinez at nine at seventy-one hundred. Should Saeed be a two minus two forty-five favorite? I don't. This is also like a low volume fight. That's why I said that these fights, it's like, seems like there are fights that are good and there are fights that are not so good. But obviously the fights that are not so good are also going to be much lower owned. So I think that ownership is going to go, you're going to get a ton of Batista. So Batista is going to be heavily owned at 9,700. It's going to be harder to build uniquer lineups, less duplicated lineups with him because he's 9,700. But I think from a from a fight perspective, Jan, the main event is going to be super owned. Jan versus Davalishvili. And I think Davalishvili is going to be by far the highest owned underdog. I mean, by far. And it may actually be warranted. I mean, Marab just spams takedowns. I mean, Marab, Marab in a three-round loss has scored 80 points. 
in a three-round loss. This is a five-round fight. Peter Yan, although a decent wrestler, you know, he's pretty, pretty good. I mean, but Rob is pretty much a, a, a takedown, a, a spam takedown artist. Peter Yan is is definitely the better fighter here, but he also is typically slow. It's a five-round fight. Yan, I, I could easily see Yan losing the first two rounds and Marab just taking him down eight times. Then Yan winning the last three rounds and winning a decision. And even then, even if even Marab still puts, I mean, like it's it just like his his floor is so immense, and obviously his ceiling is ridiculously high in a win, right? If he what's his win what's Marab's win condition typically? Typically, he doesn't finish anyone. Typically, his win condition is decision. Like he he scores like 130, 140 points in a three round decision sometimes, right? A lot of times, like so, a fat imagine a five round decision. He wins three to two, right? 48, 47, 49, 46. I mean, he could easily, he can put up a hundred, dude, he can put up 160 points. But even from a floor perspective, I think Marab has a chance in a five round decision loss of outscoring like Tyson Nam in a win. Like let's say Tyson Nam goes to decision against Bruno Silva and may score like 62 points. Like Marab in a loss could beat that. Like, that's why it's like, I know Marab is going to be heavily popular. I mean, heavily. He will be by far, I mean, by far, two times more owned than any other underdog. But at 7K, I mean, that's why it's like, maybe find a way to get different elsewhere. I mean, like, it's hard at that price. Like, it's not like Marab's like 7,800. It's 7,000. Like it's he's it, so he's so much more likely, like because he could he could get there he could get there in a loss and I'm not like he's the biggest losing underdog, no it's like he beats out other people like it's not the type of thing where okay like with Grasso last week, like Grasso like put up enough points and even if she lost oh she has fifty five points and then she's the best scoring underdog, like no I'm talking about Marab putting up ninety points in a loss and then having three other underdogs win and not even put up 90 points, right? Ryan Spann wins in the third round and puts up 72, right? Right, Lucas Bresky wins in the second round and puts up 80, 86, and then Marab loses and puts up 92. Like, that. that's what I'm talking about. So although I would, I would love to be lower than the field, I'm not a big fan. I'm typically under on... Typically, I go under on the 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 most popular underdog or underdogs, but this is kind of a this this is a, this is an exceptional situation where it may not be the case. Doesn't mean I'm going over or anything, but just realize that that at seven k, it he has multiple paths of making the nut lineup. They obviously in a win, but def, even in a loss. So be aware of that. I think like Jonathan Martinez, on the other hand, he may be a more popular underdog also in that range. Not as popular as Marab, but Jonathan Martinez could be like 20, 22% on something like that. It's primarily because this, this matchup with Nurmagomedov, like don't let that name fool you. He's not related to a Khabib. This, Saeed Nurmagomedov has nothing to do with Khabib. Nothing. He's not a cousin. He's not, there's no relation whatsoever. Just happens to have the same last name, right? Just like anything else, right? 
My last name is Cooper. There are other people named Cooper, right? Am I related to Amari Cooper? No. But this fight, like, probably low volume. Nurmega Madoff, he's not, he's really not a wrestler. He doesn't really wrestle. He's more of a stand-up fighter. Good, I mean, he's good, technic, good technical striking and everything. He shouldn't be the favorite in this fight. But most likely, this fight stays on its feet. I mean, it's most likely to just strike. And on DraftKings, striking-based fights, especially ones that are more favored to go the distance, are less likely to score many points. So that's why, like, Nurmega made up at 9,100. Not, not appealing, depending on the ownership, if he's 5% owned. Like, this is all based on that compared to their ownership. That's the reason why uh, Jonathan Martinez may be... Uh, popular a lot of, a lot of the the underdogs facing the 9k fighters are going to be are going to get ownership only because like out of the 9k fighters i mean Bartista at 9700 i mean i'm going to be playing a lot of the mid-range i think ricardo ramos against austin lingo i don't think i think taking a shot on lingo is fine ricardo ramos is just like he's won he's won two fights with with spinning back fists like spinning elbows or something like like just like like highlight knockouts. He doesn't throw much. He played like 15 minutes. He throws like 40, 50 significant strikes. He attempts maybe like maybe one takedown for 15 minutes. So it's like at 9,500, like as long as you could avoid like the first round, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't see how Ricardo Ramos puts up enough points at 9,500. And you could say, kind of say the same thing with J.J. Aldrich. It's like what would... What is J.J. Aldrich going to do with Ariana Lipsky? This most likely stays on its feet. And Lipsky probably gets battered. But not enough to get a finish or anything. So like 9,400. But she's not going to be popular either. Jamaica Madoff is not going to be as popular. Like these, these, other than Batista and Jan, obviously, because Jan's in the main event. Carl Williams, he's making his UFC debut. I don't think he's a, he's 30, he's a 33 year old making a debut. I do you want to trust that for nine, nine K? Yeah. He had, he has some takedown upside. I guess so. That's a kind of, that's kind of a stretch. I'd rather take a shot on Lucas Bresky down here. 7,200. Why not? Now, Peter Yard, on the other hand, there are a lot of paths for Peter Yard to win and not make the optimal. Okay. Especially against Marab. Like, let's say Peter Yan wins a 48-47. Like, the two rounds that he loses, it's most likely he's because, because he's on his back because Marab's just laying on him. And he can't score many points when you're getting laid on. Peter Yan is not typically a strong starter. He, I mean, Peter Yan is, is a very smart fighter, very calculated fighter. Yes, he can score a lot of points once, once he gets going. But a lot of times you may not see second round. He may not be that active in the first round. He may be under in not, not do much in the second round. Like I don't I don't see Jan coming out and just knocking out Marab in the first round or second round or anything. Or I don't even know if Jan even attempts takedowns. I don't know if Jan Jan probably Jan is probably better on top. He'd rather be on top, but I mean on the feet, I mean he definitely has an advantage on the feet to Marab. So it's like, how many points can he score for 9,200? If he's going to be held down for a round or two, especially. I don't see Peter Jan going out in 50-45-ing this in a decision. 
or at least on the ground, right? It would be striking, and maybe maybe he only scores 100 for 9,200, and that's it's okay. So I think Jan is going to be over-owned. I'm, I'm more likely to be under on Jan than be under on Marab, right? But everyone in this mid-range is, I mean, the, all the fights in the mid-range are worth playing. I mean, some are going to be more popular than others, rightfully so. Like I said, this is a tale of two fights. Right, I think the the Bruno Silva Nam fight is going to be barely played. Most likely, this is going to be two guys just standing up and trying to knock each other out. Right, not much wrestling, and they're durable enough that now Bruno Silva is what plus one sixty five inside the distance, and Tyson Nam is plus two ninety inside the distance, and it's unlikely that you know. Maybe Bruno goes for one takedown. I mean, I just the, the ceiling of this fight is low. Does it mean there can't be a first round finisher? Yeah, of course. Then that's it. Weigh that against the ownership. But this, that's going to be a fight that's not going to be targeted much. Romanov Volkov is going to be like the second most popular fight on the on the on the whole slate. Romanov is eighty six hundred. Volkov is seventy seventy six hundred. I think a lot of people will be on Romanov, the Romanov side. Less people on the Volkov side. Because Volkov's past the victory is just knocking him out. Like, Volkov's not a wrestler. But he's six foot seven, And uh, Romanov's cardio is uh, quite suspect. I mean, he lost, he lost to Marcin Tybura. Right? So Romanov, minus 150. And we've played Romanov on slates where he's like a minus 7 million favorite, right? So a lot of people are used to like, oh, Romanov's just going to come out, going to drag the guy down, take him down four times and submit him or something. Ground and pound, get a finish. Volkov is much better than the opponents that Romanov has faced. And Romanov, I think after five or five, uh, five minutes, his cardio, who knows? That doesn't mean Volkov, I mean, Volkov, could win and not score many points, right? But I think a lot, Romanov is going to be popular. Volkov will be owned. I think Volkov is a leverage play on Romanov. Uh, another fight that's going to be owned, probably uh, the Tony Gravely. We have Tony Gravely versus uh, Victor Henry. I think Gravely will be popular in cash games. Right, because of his wrestling. 7,800 is a high floor, but he's only plus 410 inside the distance. Victor Henry's plus 260 inside the distance. I think, think there's, a, there's a lot more peripheral points in this fight than there are like finishing upside, and it's a close fight. But you're going to have to, most lineups are going to have to use someone from the mid range. Most likely, it's going to be either Henry, Gravely, Petrito, or Turkali. I think Turkali is going to be popular also because now he's a fa- he's the slight favorite now at eight thousand rather than eighty two hundred, and also Tur- Petrino is more of a either not he's a one punch knockout artist, right? Petrino is it, I mean pretty much your path to hundred points with Petrino is in the first five minutes. If he doesn't get a knockout in the first five minutes, he's pretty much done. Turkali Turkali can have twelve takedowns in a fight. I don't know how much he does with the takedowns, but he could score better that way. I think the cat. I think the cash line. I think the dupe lineup is going to be in cash games. It's going to be this. You'll see it right on the side. Like if you're playing double ups or anything like that. I think, from what I can tell, this seems like the most obvious cash lineup. 
Batista, Jan, you, you stack the main event, right? Jan, Devalish, Mealy, Batista, Carlson Harris, Anton Turkali, Tony Gravely. I think you will see this heavily in cash games, right? Money line value on Turkali, money line value on, on Harris. And then you're gonna stack the main event and play Bautista. And they they it's 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 not it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science here. But remember, Carlson Harris is gonna be popular. I I Jared Gooden got cut by the UFC, but I don't think Jared Gooden is that bad. And I don't think Carlson Harris is that great. Should he be a minus 300 favorite? If if Jared Gooden had a full camp. Would he would he be would would Carson Harris be a minus three hundred favorite? I don't think so. I mean the fact that he's stepping in on what four days notice. I mean that's not good. It's not good. But with Carson Harris being so popular, like he's probably going to be 45 percent owned, maybe fifty percent owned even. Does that mean you play good as leverage? I think that's an option, but also an option is just not play Harris. Maybe Harris wins and scores 65 points. You just don't need him. Or but maybe Gooden wins. I, I mean 6900. We don't have that. We don't have the odds out yet for the, the Harris. Let me reload fightodds.io. I mean, these odds just like came out yesterday. No, I mean, just I see minus 300s. I mean, I don't think Harris's ITD line is gonna be that great. I think maybe it'll be plus 150 or something. Which is fine, which I guess for the price is is fine. It's fine. It's probably pretty good, right? Plus one fifty at eighty three hundred ain't that bad. But I would avoid these types of line. I mean, like, dude, like I'd probably play a lineup, play lineups where, like, you group out, group out Harris, Batista, main event fighters, and Romanoff. Like, like that would be that would be it. Something like that. Like max, I mean, if you really want to get, avoid dupes, max of one. But at least maybe max two. Right? If we make a player group something like this. Like Batista, Jan, Balashvili, Romanov, Harris. And you can even take away Romanov. Like, if you want to do max one of this. Like in any lineup that I play Batista, don't play the main event or Carlston Harris. Or in any lineup that I play a main event fighter, don't play Carlston. Like, like I think the, this is the main. Like you can probably you can play two. Like if you're playing smaller field, maybe two, two max of this. I'll maybe even throw Romanoff in there as well. Large field, if you if you want to make sure to avoid dupes a lot, do this met like. I'm the type in large field to just like, I'm going to do this max one. Just if I, if I got Tavalish Vili at 7K in my lineup, I got none of these guys. I don't got, I got Romanoff. I don't got Harris. I don't got Bautista. You could probably get away with two. You may run into more duplication. I think even one. But definitely like the most popular combination is going to be most Batista lineups are going to have Marab in it because you're going to need, right? You're spending 9700 for Batista. Well, 7K for Marab fits with that price so much better. 
Now, the other four fighters in the lineup, I mean, you could still make unique enough. But just understand that, that like Batista Marab lineups, Batista Marab Harris lineups. Like, you got three spots left. Like, how many lineups can you make like that? We could probably run, we could probably run through them. How many unique lineups can you make like that? And they'll be duped a lot. I mean, because people, people don't think, right? Half the field playing these contests aren't thinking about duplication. They're just whatever. If their lineup's duplicated 78 times, then so be it. Not realizing how big of a drag on EV that is. But me personally, I'm I'm focused on the mid-range fights. Right? Like like a fight that people are going to avoid are like Davy Grant versus Raphael Asuncao. I think that's the, I mean, from a stylistic perspective, it's probably a fight you should avoid. Stylistically. Slow. It's a Sun Sao fights. He's durable. Davy Grant is, I mean, they're durable and they're slow. And measured. So like Davy Grant plus 195, a Sun Sao is plus 550. So if you have Raphael Asuncao, like it's, yeah, he wins 62 points. Yay. Woohoo. David Grant kind of needs a knockout. I mean, he'll be under on. Like David Grant may be only like 10% owned. Like this fight may only be like 10% owned on each side. Is there a ten, more than 10% chance that, the, that this ends with a first round knockout? Well, look, David Grant. First round prop is 20% and Asun Sao is eight. So if you want to take a shot on that, just understand that that's like the one of the least appealing of fights. You have Krylov versus Span again, right? Which was the main event two weeks ago. And then Krylov pulled out. It obviously is going to be much lower owned this week in a three round fight than it was as the main event in a five round fight. But I think Ryan Span is still going to be popular. They'll probably be 25-ish percent owned. He's plus 175 at 7,500. Plus 175 inside the distance. I think Krylov's ownership will go down. We have him at 33. I think he'll be much lower than that. I think it'll be more ownership on Romanov than on Krylov. And to me, the, the to me, my my favorite fight on the slight favorite ownership-wise, it's not going to be unowned, but I think it'll be lower owned than the Romanov-Volkov fight is the uh, Dumas- uh, Josh Fremd fight. I think Josh Fremd is going to come in underowned. Josh Fremd is plus 200 inside the distance. And I think more people are going to play Span. More people are going to play Volkov. More people will play Gravely. More people will play Jonathan Martinez. And obviously more people will play Marab. Fremd has looked awful. Okay. But this, this Cedric's Dubas guy making his UFC debut. He's 7-0. And most of his background is come is come is, is in street fights. It's street fights. He fought against the D- D- Dalzim and, and Blanca and Guile. Right? Those guys and Ryu and Ken. Fremd has so much more like actual MMA experience than the Cedricus Dumas. And Dumas won after like he what he won in like 47 seconds on the contender series. Does that mean anything? But I mean Fred, Fred, Fred got submitted by Treshawn Gore. That's not a very good look. When he, when when Fremd is supposed to be the better grappler. And he got submitted by Treshawn Gore. So, like, I'm not saying Fremd is good, right? Very suspect. 
but I think it's 7,400 with a plus 200 inside the distance line. Well, I'd much rather take a shot at him than Jonathan Martinez. I think Jonathan Martinez is more shot, has a higher floor, right? Jonathan Martinez in a loss, in a decision loss, has 48 points, right? It's like, ah, oh, okay, he lost to Saeed Nurmagomedov. Friend may get disposed of in three minutes, or he could win in three minutes, right? We can put up a big score. And like I said, on a card with 14 fights on it, a larger card, I aim for ceiling more than win equity or floor or anything. I don't I don't think Jonathan Martinez knocks out Saeed Nurmagomedov. I don't get, I, I get why Jonathan Martinez may get increased ownership because people are looking for a way to like avoid Marab or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you could see Jonathan Martinez winning a split decision against Saeed Nurmagomedov. Like you could, that's, that's doable. You could see that. But how many points is that score? He may, that may, that may score 65 points. I look at, I look at John, Josh Fred to go, okay, here's someone that could score hundred plus. I look at Span. Here's someone that could score 100 plus. Volkov could knock out Romanov. Like, like I look, I look, Bredsky could score 100 points. Like Jonathan Martinez, I just, I think, has the lowest ceiling out of everyone in this range. But more win equity. I think more floor, floor, floor like. But I'm not aiming for floor in a 14 fight card. Then 10 fight card? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I'd rather go down to Austin Lingo. I think Austin Lingo could knock out Ricardo Ramos. Right? He also could only put up seven points and lose in the first round. Like, I, I don't, but I don't mind that. Am I taking a shot at said Guido Canetti? No. I mean, Ariana Lipsky, why not? Why, I mean, it's a women's MMA fight and she's 6,800. Who knows? Does J.J. Aldrich, you know, does he, she finish J.J. Aldrich? Probably not. Jared Gooden against Harris. I mean, just seems like Jonathan Martinez like is going to be overly popular for for just because it's like, oh, it'll be a competitive fight. But I don't see Jonathan Martinez finishing Saeed Nurmagomedov. I mean, the line indicates that, right? Jonathan Martinez is plus 575 inside the distance. Right, 15%. Yet, got, yet Josh Friend is 33%. Probability inside the distance, he'll be less owned. Lucas Bresky is 27% inside the distance, he'll be less owned. Austin Lingo is about 16% inside distance and be less owned. Right, Volkov will be a similarly owned. Tyson Nam has a better, and Tyson Nam has a better inside the distance line. It's just that, just that and people see, like, okay, Martinez is going to win a split decision. So, not going to score many points in a split decision. He's not. He's not wrestling. Unlikely to, right? So yeah. So I'm. I'm going to be. I'm. I mean, I don't know how much Jonathan Martinez I'm going to have at all. Did this late? I, I'm actually playing more large field stuff than small field stuff. I'm playing three small field lineups and I'm playing 75 large field lineups. Because on the larger on the larger cards, I, I don't mind playing large field because you could you do plus. But it's like, you know, 11 fight cards, 12 fight cards. It's like, yeah, I'll play like six lineups and play some more small field stuff. 
Anything in the YouTube chat? Devin says he's just going to spam Hadoukens. Hadouken! Hadouken! Right? Cedricus Dumas coming from the street fighting background. He's going to do the, the reverse, right? You did the, the, reverse, the reverse circle, right, on the bottom, and then the, then the B button. That, that's the that's the Hadouken, right? If you come from the arcade. I was I, I was the cheap ass that played M. Bison and always did the, the electric, the electric crap because it was very easy to do it was very similar to Blanca's role right it's back forward button back forward button right you go from the forward position back forward and then bison would just like go with the electricity and fly towards you and you can't really counter that unless you use a little jab at the right time like e honda had that like like he could stop him we're gonna talk about street fighter i used to play that all the time uh, IO22, I like good net and cheap price and low ownership. He could be live for a finish. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think he's great for, for leverage. Carlson Harris is going to be ridiculously owned because of his money line value. Absolutely. I think playing good for leverage is perfectly fine. I don't know what the ITD lines is on Gooden. In cash games, you're going to play Carlson Harris because he's a thousand too cheap. Yeah, I get it. But in GPP, I mean. I'd much rather take a shot on Davy Grant. I mean, truthfully, I'd take a shot at Victor Vito Petrino. Like, dude, this. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even see the Harris Gooden fight to be even that great of a fight. If Carlson Harris was actually correctly priced at ninety three hundred, and it was ninety three hundred Carlson Harris and sixty nine hundred Jared Gooden, we'd be looking at this fight going, how many people are playing Carlson Harris at ninety three hundred? Right? They'd be looking at he'd be like fourteen percent owned. So it's like think 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 of what happens if Syed Nurmagomedov was ninety it was eighty three hundred. Oh my God, gotta play him. Do you? Do you gotta play him? Let's say JJ Aldrich was eighty three hundred. Oh my God, money line value. Got it. She's a minus three eighty favorite. Gotta it's JJ Aldrich. She'll win and score eighty two points. Yay! Like something like that. So that's what I'm looking at when it comes to Carlson Harris. Anything else in the YouTube chat before I get out of here? I need to fill in some more stuff in the, in the, in my my odd sheet. People ask all the people people email it all the time about you know the rate. How do you calculate the rating? It's a weight of all of these figures, of ownership, of projection, of the win win odds, ITD inside the distance lines, round one lines. I'm weighting it in some way against the ownership. Well, in what exact way? Well, if I told you that, you'd get to have the exact numbers that I used to, uh, that I plugged into lineup HQ. I can't give you that because then you'd make you'd have the same lineups as me in a in a in a in a DFS contest where I, duplication is not good. Now, obviously, if you weight these things in a decent way, you'll probably get to the kind of same conclusions that I do. Right? Who's over owned, who's under owned, that type of stuff. But I literally plug in these rating numbers into the projection. Like I use them as the projection. So I rate lineups based on the total of each fighter, the rating to put together. And typically I'm playing the ones that are higher rated, which means are the most leveraged against ownership for their for their for their probability. I'm going to be playing. 
So you can put in the same numbers as me and like, oh, I'm going to play the top 10 lineups based on this. It's like, make sure in, in your set, it's like, you're going to play the same lineups as me. And then we're going to be duped with each other. So why, why am I giving out something that you could actually literally dupe me? Now, now, if you do this type of methodology, are you more are you more likely to come close to duping me? Yeah, obviously, yes. At least I'm not giving you the exact the exact the exact numbers. And also, I change the formula every slate, depending on the size, the con- like the context. It's really how much I weight. Like I said, how much do I weight win probability? Smaller cards, I weigh win probability more. Bigger cards. I weigh win probability less, and I weigh I weigh round one probability more. So I'm going to change the weights based on that. But that's the but that's the reason. I mean, I've said obviously I've said this before. I've probably said this twenty times. Well, how do you calculate this? Like, well, calculate it whatever way. You see what I'm doing here. You see that I'm waiting. You know, I'm win odds, ITD odds, round one odds. Ownership, median projection, ceiling, proje- some type of ceiling number, which is what OFI is. O- OPT was the, the late swap, right? The order of the fights. I still have the column there, even though it doesn't matter anymore. But I'm going to leave it there just in case. Maybe they introduced late swap back, right? And when it, when it was late swap, I would, the fights that are later are weighted a little bit higher. So the earlier the fight, you guys did there was it was weighted less but that's it that's my that's my little rating system I, that i've been using that i've been tweaking for what over two years and i've done well i've done well with it i've done well with it if you got any questions not mma related just dfs related right and mlb season is coming up we're going to be doing an mlb primer we going to have to go in the till the, the 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 MLB season but next week you know it's it's up to you this just show is primarily guided by you guys so send in your questions questions at theoryofdfs.com and i will cover them on the show and sometimes i repeat stuff sometimes i don't repeat stuff it's unstructured learning here if you want the structured version go to theoryofdfs.com pick up my two courses and the custom excel tools and go through all of that yourself Email questions at theoryofdfs.com and I will answer anything you'd like because that's what I do here. That's what I do here. That's the point of this show, right? That's the point. That's why I wake up Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>